But, you know, I started thinking it was a 20-year anniversary. It's like, I've been doing this for a long time. I mean, I've had PTSD for 20 years, and it's it's hard. Like, if you think you're going to be healed next week, you're not. You're going to have to work at it. I guess that's why I came on. I mean, I don't want people to think because I'm out here writing books and making movies that my life is great. I mean, my life is great, but I have to work at it to make it great. All right, my friends, it's Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, and I want to welcome you back to another episode here on the Fit Father Project and the Fit Mother Project podcast. Today, we're joined by a special guest expert, Clint Van Winkle, who is actually a family friend and now coaching girls lacrosse with someone who works on our team. And it's been awesome to be introduced to him because he has a very important message that we haven't brought to the podcast so far. And as you're going to hear very soon, Clint is an Army veteran, uh, I should say the Marine Corps veteran to be very specific, who achieved the rank of sergeant. And I want to read his bio because today what we're going to do is we're going to get into a conversation about the realities that veterans face and soldiers face, specifically active combat veterans with PTSD, with struggling with reintegration into society. And he wrote a really amazing book called Soft Spots that's going to be linked all over the description that we're going to kind of talk about, but also take lessons from that book as it applies to understanding the inner lives of veterans, the silent suffering and struggle that so many people do have. And I know there's a lot of members of our community that you know struggle with these things or not family or friends that struggle with these things. So this is going to shine a lot of light and awareness on something through Clint's vulnerability. And I want to say one other thing, Clint, before I read your bio, you're a damn good writer, man. I don't know if you've been writing your whole life, but it is a very well-written book you have. And that's a, it's a privilege, not just the power of the message, but the story. So um, just want to say that. And um, I will stop blabbing in one minute once we read this bio, because this is really keying you up here. So Clint Van Winkle served for eight years in the United States Marine Corps, earning the rank of sergeant while serving in Iraq. His battalion was among the first wave of troops that crossed into Iraq. And his first combat experience was the Battle of Nasiriya, followed by patrols throughout the country. After two tours of duty, certain images would not leave Clint's memory. A fragmented mental movie of shooting a little girl of scavenging parts from a destroyed, blood-spattered tank, of obliterating several Iraqi men hidden behind an ancient wall, and of mistakenly stepping on a soft spot, the remains of a Marine killed in combat. After his return home, Clint recognized the psychological damage he'd experienced from war, emotional outbursts, panic attacks, and mood swings, and he eventually sought help at a Veterans Administration facility, and so began the maddening journey through an indifferent system that promises to care for veterans, but in fact, abandons many of them. He wrote his book and memoir, Soft Spots, to reveal the mind of so many soldiers who silently struggle with PTSD, survivor's guilt, and the psychological trauma for war. And Clint also has a powerful documentary we've mentioned so far, The Guilt, that explores these issues of PTSD and survivor's guilt. Clint, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for having me, Dr. Anthony. So, I mean, where do we even unpack this? As I was kind of reading into your life story and the experiences you've had, it's so wild for me as a complete civilian to even like imagine and fathom what you actually experienced. So I, I guess I'd like to kick off with anything you'd like to specify from that bio as like pivotal experience and also kind of ask the first big question is, how would you describe the emotional experience of returning home from war after serving in a war zone? What was that like for you? And what is that like for so many veterans? Well, I think when I returned home, I was confused. You know, I went to this big experience, big adventure, and they came home and everyone's living normally. I mean, things had changed. I went, when I went to war, this is actually, we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of the invasion. The, we went and then we came back and people were like dressed different. You know, it was just like weird things that you wouldn't notice. If people were wearing like cowboy shirts, we noticed like, well, just things that didn't seem normal to us. And then 
you don't feel like you fit in or you feel like people are pointing at you. Or, I mean, there's this whole thing about you're supposed to be a damaged veteran when you get back. There are people expect you to be damaged. And I think that really kind of feeds a lot of veterans, right? When you get back and you want to get better, but people expect you to be hurting. And we were hurting, um, but, you know, we worked on it. And I acknowledge, I knew right when I got home that I was going to need to get help. Like, I knew that the things that we saw were not normal and that we needed to go out there and, and work on our, our minds and, and get strong. And, and a lot of us did that. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, like, for those that know, maybe know some about this, what are some of the most common symptoms of PTSD that you experience that other veterans experience? Like, for you, you took these as a wake-up call to, like, I need help. But I know I also like to eventually ask you about some of your friends who didn't have the exact same response. But what are some of the common symptoms that you knew you had something going on? When I got back, I started reading. I, I fell into books. My mom's a literature professor, an English professor. So she gave me a couple books and didn't really make comments on it. She gave me uh, Tim O'Brien's The Things I Carried. and um, like Kurt Vonnegut's uh, Slaughterhouse Five. And I read those and I kind of understood them a little better. I understood, I saw the PTSD in it and I realized that this is me. And I kind of saw that these, you know, really smart men were struggling with it. And it wasn't something that you get if you're weak or whatever. Um, but I really had a lot of anger. I was just angry at the world. Um, I was angry at the Veterans Administration or the VA. Um, I, just, I missed the Marine Corps. I missed my friends. I missed not being able to have people to talk to about things and to share the experience with. And just, it's a lot of confusion, really. Um, and then, you know, if you don't treat it, you get the depression coming in. And I get a lot of depression from PTSD still. It's 20 years and it's still something I'm working on. It's something I'll always work on. And um, I knew that at the beginning, too. Like, I didn't think I was going to ever be like what you would think as fixed. Not, not that I think I'm broken. Um, but we had changed. We, we just experienced a really abnormal thing. This isn't normal for people to see these types of the things we saw, or, or and, and then to participate in them or to cause them also. So then you also get the survivor's guilt, like, why did I come back? Maybe I didn't do enough. or um, And then you get, kind of get this thing with the other veterans where, well, you shot more than I did, or where were you? And it's just, there's just a lot going on, and you got to work through it and, and just be happy or try to make peace with what you did and, and find some happiness mm-hmm. in, in all of it. Yeah. Now, specifically with your story, um, Soft Spots, it's really kind of, well, at least the, the documentary, I mean, the book goes more deep, but the documentary that you have, The Guilt, kind of really talks about your core group of friends, the guys you met there and like how they came back and had different responses. So I'm wondering, like, how would you compare and contrast your experience versus your other close friends' experiences? And maybe even the other question is like, what what determines why someone has a different experience? How much of it is just shared? Like you've been over there, you've seen way too much shit. Like there is a blanket level of just like, this is damage. And then why is it different between different people and experiences? Yeah, well, interestingly enough, when, you know, as the years have gone on, we've told the stories over and over to each other. So, you know, I've got a core group of friends. We've all stayed pretty close. Um, and our stories kind of blend together. I talk about this in the book. Like at one point, you don't really know whose story you're telling. You got to stop and think. We find people telling stories that they weren't involved in. It just kind of meshes together. Um, I don't, I really don't know why PTSD affects certain people. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, there's some, there's some thought that if you stay in, you're going to, it's going to lessen the symptoms because you're around it more often, but you know, you just come back. I think when you, well, I mean, I'm a writer and I, I think a lot. So I, I thought a lot about it. I wanted to think about my experience. I wanted to understand my experience. I wanted to pull something from this experience. And that's why I started writing the book. Uh, you know, my other friends, you know, they came back with depression. Um, you know, you lose, you feel like you're really useful at the time when you're in combat, right? And you come back and you don't feel so useful. You're back doing normal stuff. Even if you stay in the Marine Corps, it's, it's just so normal. Um, I'm coming back from combat. And I think a lot of that has to do with PTSD. Like, 
kind of miss it. And it's really hard to explain to other people. But my friends, they've all had issues. Uh, a lot of them have. And we've been lucky enough where we've been able to talk to each other about it. And uh, so far, we haven't had any suicides, thankfully. Um, you know, we have been within our larger unit. But, you know, PTSD has really taken on a lot of our generation of, of veterans because it's just, you know, it just racks someone's brain, you know. Now, in your journey, um, you know, working your way, you know, I don't want to use the word through and out because obviously this is still a very living experience for you. It's just kind of like processed and healed more. What was helping you in those early stages? You recognize you had a problem. You go and you start seeking solutions. What If there was a no level of improvement past like the really raw pain and, and what got you there? What were some helpful modalities, thought patterns, practices, et cetera, that led to your healing and your continued healing? Well, I mean, I must first say as a Marine, I'm hard-headed, so it took me a little while. Like, I recognized the problem, but I didn't deal with the problem right away. Um, yeah. I got back in the Marine Corps as a heavy drinking organization, and I drank like I did in the Marine Corps, but I wasn't exercising. I started getting a little plumper, and I started noticing I was plumper. And um, when you identify as a Marine and you're fat, it doesn't feel good. So um, at first, I started doing talk therapy, and that really helped. Um, tried medications, and that's really a hard process because you really have to, you know, but at least for me, I went through different medications to find the one that worked. Um, and I never really could find something that really didn't make me like scroggy or take away my little edge, uh, my edge to the right. Like I need to feel stuff. Um, so, you know, eventually I, I, I drank a lot at first. I drank a lot and I just thought this was going to help it. I knew this wasn't going to help it in my head, but I still did it. And then um, one day my friend Glenn, um, he called me up. He was like, well, we need to go hike the Grand Canyon. I'm, like, well, I'm not really in that kind of shape, but I can be. Um, so we ended up hiking the Grand Canyon, and I ended up hiking out. And when I walked out of that Grand Canyon, it was, I don't. It was kind of like a, I would say, a spiritual experience for me. Like I felt who I was again after moving my feet. You know, and I thought about you know everything going up. And after that, I just, um, I decided I was gonna, you know, along with my talk therapy, I was gonna exercise. I was gonna go out and hike. I was gonna be in nature. I was gonna do things that were gonna make me happy. And give me some peace, and, and I really got into going outside and doing different nature things. So I, I, I coupled that with, of course, uh, the therapy. I, I stick in therapy. I have a psychiatrist, a psychologist, um, and then I talk talk a lot of about it to people. And you know, like when I talk to you, you know, it's just I, I meet so many people to get different uh, perspectives from it, and it's just it's been great to to get these different things and incorporate them in. So right now I'm just trying to eat healthy, trying to exercise. You know, get uh, my medication. Um, yeah. I actually get really good care at the VA. I know my book's all about not getting good care at the VA, but um, the bureaucracy there is what stops the doctors. The doctors there have been phenomenal when I've had them, except for the first couple of years, which I write about. Um, you know, I'm just, I just work at it. It's, it's, a, it's a job, really. You know, I have to work at it. And I talk to my friends. They call me. And uh, we, just, we just do the best we can to keep on going. Yeah. I mean, really powerful thing that you just shared. And I almost feel like many people listening to this right now are also trying in their own version of pursuit and struggle to follow this healthy, supportive, integrated, connected life, which is, means all these kind of practices and pretty much constant effort on that. It just seems in your case, like the stakes are much higher. Like it is, this is what keeps you on this, this right healing path amidst some stuff that you've experienced that's tremendous and hard for civilians to probably understand. I'd like to talk a little bit about the administration side of things, because I know that's a, definitely a part of your book um, in terms of like the VA and the structure. Like, 
right now, I think we're living in a time where in many different fronts of society, we're looking at our current structures as how they're set up. And like, we're seeing cracks all over the place and like things are certainly shifting in many different directions. Um, we have a lot of veterans. We have this big VA organization. There's a good mission to support people when they get back home. Where do you think it's falling short and where has it made good gains in progress and where do you think it's going? Yeah. So I, I obviously think a lot about this. I, I mean, I just recently I had to call my Senator, Senator Cinema to have her get me an appointment. Like it's still not great, but I'm learning. I think the difference now is I was angry when I got back. I was really angry. And now I've learned how the system works and you have to learn how the system works. Um, the doctors are great. I get great medical care. It's just getting that medical care is what the problem is. Um, you know, a lot of people are talking about maybe, or not a lot of people, politicians are speaking about doing maybe a card, like some kind of insurance card for us. Um, I think it's going to head more more to that where veterans' choice is expanded and we're able to make our own appointments. And I think once we make our own appointments, things will be a lot better. I would still go to the VA regardless. Um, I like my doctors. They've been great. Um, they get frustrated too, and you can see their frustration with them when you know, they try to make an appointment and then the bureaucracy jumps in. But really, they got to work on the bureaucracy. After that, I think everything will be great. The people there seem to, seem to be there because they want to be there, and they have reasons for being there as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate them being there. Nice. I want to ask you, like, so now from the vantage point of a friend or family member who has not gone to war but may have somebody in their life who has gone to war, how can a friend or family member be supportive to someone going through it in the different stages, like stage one, early days, middle days, long term? Yeah, I mean, it's just so different for everybody, just the way people experience. Um, I mean, you just need to be there and be supportive. Um, you know, I, I, I talk to my family when, I have, like, when I'm not comfortable doing something. I, I don't want people to push me into doing something. There's different reasons I'm not comfortable. Maybe I don't want to talk about it. Um, and I think a lot of guys, when they come back, they just need to kind of, hey, I'm here for you. Um, and, and just kind of go from there. Um, you know, it's really hard because a lot of my friends didn't want to get help. And so I, I kind of pushed that a little bit. And for a family member to do that, it's just, it's really hard to tell somebody what to do. You know, it's just read up on it and figure it out. I mean, then you have to look at the symptoms and see what they have. I mean, some guys have it horribly. They can't talk about war. Some some guys don't want to talk about it. Some guys want to talk about it all the time. I fall in the latter camp. I'll talk about it. If you want to know about war, I'll tell you about it. If you want to know about PTSD, I'll tell you about it. Some guys aren't comfortable about that. With that. So you have to kind of give them some space, I think. And women, I'm, when I say guys, I'm, I'm of yeah. course including women. Yeah. So this this many years later, still like bringing awareness to this message. What's driving you right now? Like, why are you here, sharing your story, continuing to? What's on your heart? What What do you want to see improve or change, or who needs to hear this message? I want to know about your motivations right now. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of been out of the limelight for the spotlight for a little bit. I just kind of stepped back from it, but I didn't really want to be the. Uh, PTSD poster boy, like I was going out yeah. there, I talked a lot about it, and I didn't want that to, to be what people thought. I didn't want that to identify me. I wanted it to be something else. So, um, but, you know, I started thinking it was a 20-year anniversary. It's like, I've been doing this for a long time. I mean, I've had PTSD for 20 years, and it's it's hard. Like, if you think you're going to be healed next week, you're not. You're going to have to work at it. And I guess that's why I came on. I mean, I don't want people to think because I'm out here writing books and making movies that my life is great. I mean, my life is great. But I have to work at it to make it great. I work hard. I get, you know, I go to lacrosse practice with my daughter. I make myself go. I have to make myself go to a lot of places that I don't want to do. And I get there and I like it. So, you know, staying active, going to my psychologist, having people keep me accountable. My friends keep me accountable. And my, my family does. And uh, I, I just want people to see, you know, it, it, 20 years isn't, you're going to have it. You know, you just have to figure out how to deal with it. 
Mm-hmm. You talk to me about the role of mentors and people who've kind of come before you, because it seemed like listening to your story, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there were a couple books and people you'd met and read along the way that like served as a mentor. And I think a lot of people listening to this can relate to the fact that our team in some sense is provided like a mentor role. Let's talk about the idea of mentors in healing and guiding and starting these kind of journeys. And how did it show up for you specifically in your life? Uh, well, the, the first one was when my mom gave me those books and I started reading it. And then when I, I, I went to college after the Marine Corps, so I was a little bit older and I was, you know, that PTSD going in. So I looked at things differently. Um, I had a professor there that not a combat veteran and uh, we talked about things. He gave me some more books and he said, suggested I contact one of the authors I liked. And that was uh, Bill Earhart. He's a poet from Vietnam and, and an author. And I just sent a, uh, you know, a letter out of the blue, just Marine to Marine. And he just re- responded and, you know, we, corresponded for years and he was like yeah well you know i've been doing this for 40 years and the same story i just told you about 20 years was what he told me about 40 years and i was like all right well there's not a time frame on this you know you you work at it you make you know but life's hard for everybody everyone's got trauma so it's not like you know we we separate the combat veterans from everybody else but there's plenty of people out there that are going through ptsd and i you know i don't want them to think that just because i went through combat you know my ptsd is worse or better or, or more honorable but you know, we, we've all got some trauma. You just got to you know, work through it, I guess. So I, I, I really, um, I looked to him for the combat side of things. And then my psychologist is a combat veteran. And I like that because I get a perspective from somewhere else. Because if you stick with just veterans, you get yourself in a little hole, you know, where you're just hearing that. And, um, you know, books, uh, like I said, Vonnegut, Tim O'Brien, things like that. Uh, I read a lot of poetry from the World War One. It was, I thought it was interesting because uh, that's kind of where PTSD kind of first came out with shell shock or at least they started talking about it and i just saw that this is something that happens and some people some people don't work at it and they don't they don't make it i I wanted to make it you know i want to be around for my daughter i want to be you know a fit father for my daughter and i need to be mentally fit for her she can't have a guy who's sitting on the couch you know doing whatever and that's and it sounds like i can almost hear in your voice like that's a big part of your why now is your family is is my daughter show yeah. up in that container? Your daughter specifically, mm-hmm. and get you as a man who also has a daughter. Uh, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, she's trouble, but uh, <laughs> daughters are. Is it like apple doesn't fall far from the tree situation? Uh-huh. Maybe. <laughs> no, I don't want. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I got you. So yeah, no, yeah, yeah she's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very powerful stuff. Now, I'd like to ask a little bit about. What do you think is happening um, societally with stigma around trauma and PTSD? It seems to me as I'm watching, like things are changing. Um, and I think it's like now we're talking like, I mean, and I, you'll probably correct me if I'm wrong, maybe on the spiritually, the veteran side, but things are changing in the sense that I think trauma is like a really big word or concept that's been flying around in all different kinds of circles. Certainly we have groups today of people who feel victimized for X, Y, Z reason. And now we have like politics surrounding that. And a lot of this look is that trauma, like things that quote happen to us and our response that feels like we're carrying some kind of damage and baggage. And I think it was interesting what you said is like you PTSD and trauma goes far beyond just combat situations. Um, I want to ask how people have responded like to to your message who are like non-combat trauma stuff. And generally, where do you think the landscape of the discussion around trauma is going, the tools, the culture, et cetera? Yeah, I was surprised when I wrote my book. Uh, I did some, you know, some lots of events and I'd get people coming up that who are non-veterans. I'd never considered uh, you know, how that would touch them. But I wrote the book in a way so like someone with PTSD would kind of 
it works on my PTSD brain. I just wrote it like I think. And I, they picked up on that and they liked it. And I'd have, at first it made me really uncomfortable. A lot of rape survivors would come up and talk to me. And I didn't, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a guy who wrote a book. And I, you know, what do I say? I don't want to say the wrong thing. But after a while, I just realized, you know, you know, trauma is trauma. And, uh, you know, we can all talk about it like that. Um, as far as how, how is it? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it changes, right? A lot of people are, have trauma for things I don't think would be traumatic. And, I, you know, I'm a little... I know what you mean. I try to be empathetic, but for other people's trauma. But, you know, like, but I'm old now. So I see some of the young people talking about trauma. Like, oh, you know, trauma's you coming this, for you. You're seeing the softness in it relative to the hardness of your experience. And, like, that seems like something... Yeah, that, and that's not to diminish, diminish any one person's experience. I hear you completely. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I'm a Marine, so it was, you know, you look at this, and I don't want to be that guy. It's like, well, you didn't go through something. Because everyone's affected differently. A lot of people, there's some, a lot of veterans who may have experienced exactly what I experienced and came out fine. So, yeah. you know, to point fingers at other people, you know, you're pointing fingers at yourself. I don't really know where it's going. I mean, I don't think it's uh, lessened up. You know, I've had some bad experiences as far as PTSD being used against me, even after writing a book. So, you know, it kind of you know, deflates it a little bit. You put all this work in and you're like, oh, well, you know, maybe people aren't listening. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have, t- I have uh, two questions that just came to mind. One is, in the process of you kind of rewiring, rewiring your psychology in a sense, or just processing, did you ever use affirmations or statements about like what you want to experience is not? Like, I think um, the reason just this idea that came to me as you're speaking, this idea is like I am whole or I am healthy, and I think part of this trauma feels like there's some damage that you're inherently carrying, and there's a belief underneath there that's like. I've experienced so much that this is damage and it's evidenced by all these symptoms I experienced. And you connect with that thought. Did you, in your healing, or did you use any kind of like statement or belief or rewire with words or techniques like that? Um, maybe, maybe not. I was just curious. I mean, unofficially, you know, I, I, I guess early on I heard people saying like, I'm broke, not, not being personally, they, they talk about their own trauma. I'm broke or I'm broke. And I'm like, yeah, that's not me. I'm not broken. He's just got, you know, little misfire here they're rewired i'm thinking differently so i would make sure to not let myself think i was broken like i'm not trying to fix myself i'm just trying to adapt to my new way of thinking nice um and it's easier said than done like i can say this all happy with you but there's times where I'm, i doubt like holy smoke this is hard it's, it's hard it's, it's work question is i can reflect on my some of my life experiences and like some of the hardest things that I've gone through ultimately have this kind of silver lining in terms of like growth or lessons. Has that been like that for you it, through your journey to this, that there has been some kind of like golden thread or like or good, really good stuff that's come out of this? Um, I'm curious. Uh, yeah. I mean, as far as I mean, I started writing when doing art around it. I got to meet a lot of cool people. And I think I, help my healing a lot like i have connections with people that you know are doing different things you know now i know you and you know i've uh, met people have different thoughts on how to treat ptsd and i've listened to them um i mean there's been some silver lining the hard part with the war thing with being war trauma is that you know we were the aggressors we were i mean you have to try to deal with yeah we have trauma because we crave the trauma you know we were out there the guys causing the destruction that ultimately gave us ptsd yeah i think that's really hard especially with something like iraq where it's kind of a, a war where like eh, should we have been there or not you know the, the debate around it we don't have a war like on a desert storm where you, everyone was okay go there come back and, you know no thoughts whether we should have been there or not yeah um so 
I mean, all that plays into it. But I think, I think the survivor's guilt is like the biggest part. It really is. Is is it? And what, that was really powerful. What you just said, I took that to heart. Like even the, just the sense of like justification behind the actions creates a container that like may heighten or lessen PTSD. And you were definitely in a situation that like was, I guess, controversial in hindsight, but also like, hmm, I see yeah. that. I mean, I always knew as a Marine, I was going to go where I was told, you know, if yeah. they told me to invade South Carolina, that's where I was going. You know, just, I was there to do what I was told. Um, but, you know, later on in life, you know, I really thought about, do I want to be a person who's, um, I don't want my life to be full of destruction, I guess. Like just, I, I did some contracting afterwards, um, you know, soft, soft contracting, not gun carrying. And then just recently, you know, I wanted to do something better. And I saw all these refugees coming out of Ukraine and it reminded me of Iraq. And I, I went over there and helped. So. Um, maybe that's some silver lining. You know, I've yeah. got, I'm starting to do humanitarian stuff. I want to, you know, at the end of my life, be more of a helper than a destroyer. Yeah. And I imagine like, unlike many people, you had this experience that's led you to view yourself in that dimension of like destroying and creating. And you're basically consciously tipping the scales, which my yeah. hat off to you. I mean, talk about a life's work, I guess, is like to be with your exact experience and move forward in the most positive way that you can be. And knowing it's not easy, like deep respect for you, my brother. Like seriously, um, but there are a lot of veterans like me that that are taking what they learned and they're mi- turning into humanitarians. They're like Team Rubicon and Rise of the Ukraine. Yeah. Tons of combat veterans there, and they decide, all right, I've got medical experience and I can get shot at, so I can go there and help. And it's yeah. kind of nice to see. <laughs> yeah, like highly equipped, trained, competent people that can solve a lot of problems, and that's like. that's like alchemy to me, like transmuting like this pain and darkness into something beautiful. And like, I guess that's the power that we ultimately do have. We don't have the power always to choose the experiences that happen to us or certainly to change what we chose to do in the past, but we can create a new in the future. And I think that's like the journey you're living as well as, you know, anyone who wants to improve some aspect of their life, their health included, like it's a full sweep effort, mindset, habits, environment, all of this. Now, maybe I'd like to chat a little bit about um, if, you, if you're open to sharing any more about um, what, what the aid you've been doing in Ukraine. Is it gathering supplies, shipping stuff over there and like anything you'd like to share on that front? Because I know you glossed over it and you're not one to like brag at all, but it is pretty incredible that you are doing some initiative to help support overseas with everything else you have going on. So anything else to speak into that? Yeah, I mean, I saw that. And I just kind of felt drawn to it, and you know, I got some flack because again, that's a controversial war as well. But um, the way I saw it was going to help women and children. Mm-hmm. If there were Russians that came over and needed help, I was going to cook soup for them. So we showed up. I have a friend who's a, a, a county attorney, a deputy county attorney up in Yavapai County in Arizona, and um, he wanted to go, and uh, so we we went and we went together, and we just showed up at the train station and found places to work. We ended up working for like six aid organizations. Uh, working on the border the first time we went to the uh, the refugee aid center and and worked there for a long time mainly bag carried bags and then we cooked soup that time I mean, we might have cooked soup that time as well second time we went we actually drove some supplies into Lviv um, and dropped those off cooked soup carried bags just went in there whatever anyone needed built tents yeah. we we you know, carried suitcases across the border when refugees were going back over to Ukraine too so. I mean, it was an amazing experience. It was something I really needed in my life to, yeah. to balance out the war. No kidding. I can totally see. That's amazing. On the streets, really just like legitimately helping people, like outside of the context of a command system too, right? You yeah, yeah, we didn't have anything. Boots on the ground, 
Like we're here to help. And I yeah. think in a world where things can often seem very complicated, lots of steps, like what a simple thing, what a simple yet powerful thing that you brought your hands, your feet, your heart, your energy to the floor and just go and help. I think we can all take something from that for sure. It was really good for good for my like my soul and my heart. I felt it felt just, like it was. I don't know if it was better for me or them. Like, but it just really. I, some of the I've got pictures from some of the refugees that drew for me, and they're little girls. And so I had a little girl too, and that's what kind of drove me over there because I knew all the dads were at war, right? And yeah. I can connect with combat people. Yeah. And like all the dads are at war, all the brothers are at war. There's a bunch of little girls and moms that need help, and I'm a safe person. And my buddy's, you know, county attorney. He's a safe person. Let's show up and see what we can do. And it might have been one of the best experiences of my life. You know, I just really, it was great. Congratulations. It was horrible, but it was great at the same time, you know? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And I think that's kind of like a little bit about your story. There was horrible stuff and there's also so much beauty that you're finding in this and sharing it. So um, anything we'd like to leave in conclusion? Of course, I think um, your book is a great place that we're going to be directing people to. You can maybe tell some people where exactly they can find that if they want to hear more about your memoir, your stories, and just like this, but expanded with a lot of beauty, depth, and some very harrowing stories. Uh, Please tell us a little bit more about where people can check your stuff out and any final messages you'd like to leave people with. Yeah, my book's out on Amazon and um, I believe uh, the movies could still be found on YouTube. It It was uh, out out at uh, film festivals and stuff. I haven't kept up too much with it. Um, so if you want to check out the book, you can get more of an um, idea of what I went through and see some of the stuff that, that kind of gave me PTSD. Like you said, uh, doctor said, you know, the big thing in, in the Nazaria, um, Nazaria was the big thing for us. Um, that was where Jessica Lynch got captured, if people remember. Um, and so when we went in there, it was, it, it, was, it was pretty bad. And, you know, I, the vehicles that we drove were amphibious assault vehicles, and there were, I think two or three destroyed here. So when you drive in, it'd be like, you know, whatever car you drive, you see it. That could happen to us. So you, you can read more about that and uh, and, and where I, I got PTSD and how it went, you know, went to the, the VA finally and got some help. But um, the guilt is actually, um, I really like the guilt because it has, you, if you read the book or you watch the guilt first, it came afterwards, but you can see the guys that were in the book a little bit, uh, Kipper and Pax, and, and that's about uh, a buddy that, Packs and lost that was a Marine. Uh, so those two places are, are, are good to start um, if you want to worry about PTSD or my, my journey of PTSD. Uh, like I said, you know, it's just anecdotal with me. Um, um, and, and you can reach out. Anybody's more than welcome to reach out to me if they're reading having any more questions. And again, the book is called Soft Spots, Clint Van Winkle. You can put that into wherever you buy books, Amazon for sure. And um, Clint, thanks for coming on and sharing so vulnerably. You have me thinking about quite a few things from our conversation today. And I appreciate you being a champion for this message. And I know it doesn't define you by any means, but you're certainly shining a lot of light into this powerful conversation that we need. So thanks so much. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fit Father Project Podcast. If you love what you heard, please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really helps spread this show to more men who need this valuable info. To watch full video episodes of this podcast and other motivational videos to inspire your training and more, visit our Fit Father Project YouTube channel. It's free and everything's made for busy guys over 40 like you. Visit youtube.com forward slash Fit Father Project to get access to our entire video library. And finally, if you or someone in your life is interested in becoming a fit father or needs help losing weight, building muscle, and living healthier after age 40, 
then visit fitfatherproject.com where you can see our proven programs, supplement line for guys 40 plus, and free meal plan and workouts to get you started. This is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi signing off. I'll see you in the next episode.